Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is continuing our series in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew for quite a while. We, uh, we feel led, us and Brock Campus, feel led to just walk through the Gospel. And uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a wonderful time. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, I think Clinton's going to have the words up there. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. This is Jesus talking to his followers, the people who have followed, followed him up there. He's on the mountainside. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything to be, but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Verse 17, don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Father, we come before you today with your word. I pray that you would lead us and guide us, that you would teach us. Father, that you would make it alive and active, that your Holy Spirit would, would teach and not me. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just speak directly to the hearts. Father, we love you. We give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we're looking at verses 13 through 16, the salt of the earth, light of the world. I will admit I do enjoy verses 17 through 20 a little bit more, but feel completely inadequate to teach on that. It's so deep and man, there's so many things that I'm still working through on that and the Lord has continued to reveal that to me. I, I think that's what I love about taking it through the so slowly as we're, eight, we're allowing the Lord to teach us and to reshape some things. I think for so long, we just go with what we've been taught or what we've heard, and we kind of forget, wait a minute, maybe that was wrong. Maybe someone didn't know it at the time, and now they, they've come to realize that. And for me, on that right there. So I'm not as equipped to teach those verses. I think they're absolutely wonderful. I think they, there's a lot of truth and depth in there. And one day, we'll get to that. Today, we're on salt of the earth and light of the world. There's a British minister, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. What we're looking at today, why are we going through the gospel of Matthew? We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at the Beatitudes. Because if we, as the gathering at Adel, 
if we can embody the Beatitudes and if we can model the Sermon on the Mount, then the area, Parker County, will take notice. If we take Jesus' teachings for the truth and we model our lives after that, then the world will take notice because the church will look different. We're not going through here so that we can be smarter, more holy, brag about how long it took us to get through the gospel of Matthew. We're going through this because we want to be changed and challenged because we have a heart to see Parker County have a revival like it's never seen before. Like for, for a revival to take place in this area, that's never been recorded in history. Not so that we can get glory, but so that Parker County can come to know Jesus Christ and that God can be revealed. We're going through the gospel of Matthew so that the Father will be made known to the people and he will receive glory and honor. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. One point of emphasis before we kind of dig into the message is that you understand that these are not commands. Jesus did not say, you are to be, you will be, you need to be, you must be. But he speaks a statement of fact that says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Because what, what's happened is the people have put the responsibility of religion and relationship with the religious elite with the Levitical priesthood, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they've defaulted to them. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 wait. You guys, regular people like you and me, that, that, aren't, that don't have it all memorized, all known, you regular people are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Not, not Jerusalem is a city on a hill. And not Jerusalem is a light to the world. But Trent and Sylvie, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He's saying get off of the sidelines and get into the game. Quit pushing the responsibility off to other people. And it's all about you. You taking an impact. Because what happens is Jeff Hopkins can only reach so many people. But when Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, he's saying that you have the ability to influence and impact people that Danny Kokenauer can't reach, that Eric Purley can't reach. You are, you are placed where you are for a reason and a purpose. But what happens is we, we want to push the responsibility off on others. And what Jesus has done is said, it is now yours. We can fall into the same pattern. We can neglect the word because we know we can go to church and the pastor will tell us what God says. We can pull up YouTube and the pastors, the ministers will tell us what God means when he wrote the word of God. And, oh, I just can't understand that. I'll, I'll never understand it. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. You don't need a pastor to explain it to you. We'll neglect prayer. Oh, there's intercessors. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. We'll let the intercessors pray. There's other things for me to do. Or we won't share the gospel. Oh, there's evangelists, people that, that just, that's their calling. They, they sell everything they have and they move and they, they preach the word and it, they do a great job. I'll, I'll give monthly to them. 
And if we're not careful, we'll fall into the same religious patterns and we will push off the responsibility and say, here, y'all do it. But you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. A couple of physical elements that Jesus uses to bring about some spiritual truths. Salt, table salt, sodium chloride, as we know it today, is a very stable compound. Salt is salt, and it, it's hard for it not to be salt anymore. But in Jesus' day, the salt was mixed with impurities and other things, and at some point it could lose its saltiness. If you look at Jesus' words right here, it says, But if salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Well, what would happen is after the salt would lose its saltiness and it would be what's left after, they would throw it on top of the rooftops. The rooftops were, were made of dirt and that, that's actually where people would, kiddos would play and you would have meetings and you would, like it was like a patio, right? Obviously, they didn't have the old uh, pitch that the Adel Church has, does it? There's no way kids are playing on that. But, you know, there were flat roofs where they would go and play. And uh, so what would happen is what was left over from the salt, they would throw up there, and it would actually make it harder and would uh, help prevent leaks. And so, you know, trampled under people's ground. So it's the worst nothing except to be just thrown about and trampled under people's feet. And so there was actually a purpose for that, what Jesus was saying. And so we look at that, but salt was a precious and a rare commodity in Jesus' time. Roman soldiers were actually compensated with salt. I mean, in addition to plundering the towns that they conquered and all of that stuff, but we don't need to get into that. But they were actually compensated with salt. The, the Latin word for salt is salarium. It means of or pertaining to salt. Salarium is where we get our English word salary. That's kind of crazy. That's why there's a phrase, you've, you may, may have heard it, you know, yeah, he's not worth his salt. It's saying he didn't earn his keep. Or, or maybe you hear some, some, somebody will tell you like, hey, I don't know, I heard this, but uh, just take it with a grain of salt. What they're saying is if salt was valuable and a rare and precious commodity, a grain of salt would be worth a little bit. So, hey, take it with whatever you want. Take it with a grain of salt. But here's what I'm, here's what I'm here to tell you. You know, that's where the, throw in my two cents. That's the same type of concept. It's not worth much. It's worth two cents. If you spilled salt, it was a, considered a shameful or disgraceful act. I did not know this until this week. Danny's going to Google fact check me on this, I'm sure. But if you look at in uh, the Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci's painting, you look at Judas, and right on his elbow where his, where his arm is, he's spilling the salt. And it was to symbolize the shameful and disgraceful act that Judas did by, portray, by betraying Jesus. Interesting. Nowadays... Salt has over 14,000 uses, raises the boiling point of water. It actually helps. Uh, you know, we had a picnic, and Cliff and Melody and uh, the whole Garen, Sandlin, Sylvie clan, they, they did homemade ice cream, right? You get the ice cream going in there, and you, you throw in some rock salt. It makes it colder. 
It, it, it lowers the freezing point. And so it uh, puts out grease fires, removes rust, makes candles dripless. Just threw that one out there for you. Keeps cut flowers fresh, kills poison ivy, can treat sore throats and earaches. Probably my favorite use is related to the homemade ice cream. But uh, at some point, you, you know, you get bored as a, as a young adult. And w- one thing that, that I found is that you could do that. And if you take uh, water, ice, ice water, and you add salt to it, it makes it really, really cold. After you do that, when it's really, really cold, what you can do is you can take a medicine dropper and you drop it inside your ear and it like induces vertigo. So like for like 10 seconds, like it's the coolest thing ever. Sorry, kids that are in here, don't try that at home. But like, you just sit down. And now, full disclosure, I turned out this way. I don't know if it was that or if it happened before that. So I see kids like parents like, yeah, I'm going to do that. No, look at, don't take it from me. But like, it was the funnest thing to ever, you know, you and your friend do that. And you sit on the couch and for like 10 seconds, you're like, what in the world? And then you try to run across a room. Hey, best time ever, non-alcoholic, just having fun, you know? Uh, so salt, light. Lots of purposes for light, heat, food growth, photosynthesis. Light can serve as a warning, a lighthouse. It, pro- it provides sight, but it also is truth. All throughout the Bible, the light is presented as truth. And so we're going to look at three things that salt and light, even though they're different, they have in common. The first one is both are needed to, to sustain life. Salt and light are both needed to sustain life. You can die if you have too low of sodium. Without light, vegetation dies. Not enough light leads to depression. Me and my wife, every time we go to buy uh, light bulbs, we get into this argument. I, I'm... I'm, an, I'm a fan of the daylight, you know, the, the brightest white, thank you. Like, I mean, I want, if I have to perform a surgery in my house, I want to be able to have that light ready to go. My wife likes the yellow, and it's really, like, bad, but <laughs> it's, it's yellow. Uh, I mean, like, we go around the house. And anytime like a light goes out, I have my light bulb, she has her light bulbs, and I will change the light out to that. And then like two days later, I'll come back and I'm like, what is that? And she has gone back and put in that yellow light. Uh, the, a couple of years ago, we were at Home Depot looking at light bulbs and uh, the most qualified light guy ever that's working at Home Depot happened to be there that day. I mean, he's like, I've been in lighting for 119 years. I, like he had it down and uh, we were talking about it. But there are actual studies that show that not having enough light leads to depression. If you use the low yellow lights, it can lead to depression. But like light is needed. <laughs> light is needed because it sustains life. But when we look at being salt and light, it's not just so that we can make the world a better place. Like we're, Jesus is not saying, hey, I want you to be salt and light because I want you to be more fa- flavorful and brighter. But the truth is without salt and light, there is death and decay. Like, like the times are crucial 
It's not just, hey, I want you to be the salt and light so that it, you can add a little bit more flavor and you add a little bit of goodness to it and the world's a better place because you're in it. No, no, no. Without salt and light, the world is full of death and decay. Where, where are we now as a nation, as a world? It is because the church has not been the salt and the light. We want to get mad at the world, but the world is just doing what it does. The world without salt and light will lead to death and decay. We are to be the salt and light. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. When we as the church and as Christ followers walk in the ways of Jesus, we bring life to a dying world. How do we do that? We point them to Jesus. You want to be the salt and the light? Our only job is to point them to Jesus. They don't need kind words. They can get that from Hallmark. They, they don't need coping skills. We can get that from coffee, Dr. Pepper, caffeine, pills. Like they don't need, no, they don't need to know how to, oh, it's okay. Here's the five stages of this and that. And they don't need that. You know what they need? They need the person, Jesus Christ. They don't need false hope. We've got that in all sorts of realms. Whatever you want me to say, I can offend all of y'all in all the ways I can say where we put all our false hopes in. If we're to be the salt and the light, our goal and our job is to point them to the person, Jesus Christ. Number two, both have purifying and healing qualities. Salt is an antiseptic, slows bacteria growth. You can gargle salt water for a sore throat or for ulcers or canker sores. There's a random reference in Ezekiel, chapter 16, verse 4. It talks about when, when a newborn baby is born, rubbing salt on it. And, and it was a way to, to bring them into life to kill the bacteria, to make their skin ready. Like it was a good thing. There's healing qualities in salt. Light is a disinfectant. When we, when we talk about light, there, uh, we, we do a men's backpacking trip and uh, there, there's water bottles that are made where you can just like go get running water out of the creek. You, you get it and put the lid on and there's like maybe it's UV light or some, a certain light and it, it kills the bacteria. Like you, you don't need a, a filter. You don't have to like pour it through anything else. You can just get it and it'll treat that water bottle and you can do it over and over. Uh, lots of different uses. There, there's all sorts of things like light therapy. You know, the, man, you're, you're feeling bad. Just, just go out and get in the sun for a little bit, especially after today. You know, you're a little cold getting, hey, just go out in the sun. You're going to be okay. All right. We're good. The world is wounded and broken and they're in need of healing. When Jesus says that, that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world, our role is to bring healing to a hurt and broken world. We are to be visible to the world. When the church is vastly different from the world, she attracts it. Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give praise to the Father. Our good works are to be visible before others because that in turn 
presents the goodness of God to them, and they give glory to the Father. Jesus, throughout his miracles, he kept saying, hey, this isn't for your benefit, but it's for theirs so that they might believe. Our good works are to be on display. And, and I think it's crucial that we look at the Beatitudes before we look at this, because our good works cannot be about us. That's why Jesus said, before he even said anything about good works, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. You see, because if the good works, if we do good works for us, then he doesn't get the glory. Good works. If we list those out, is that holding the door for someone? Is that walking an elderly lady across the street, putting your cart away after shopping, which is a big key? We should be, we should be doing that. Teacher appreciation gift, right? Hey, we get our teachers something. Driving the right lane if someone needs to pass. That's just courteous. Pay for someone's meal and the drive through behind you. Jesus said, let your good works be shown. But, but those are good works that the world does. That, that, that you don't need Jesus for those good works. The good works are actions that God commanded us in his word. That are evidence of a true faith. Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus said, let your good works be shown before men so that they may praise your Father in heaven. And he says, love your enemies. Because you can hold the door for somebody, whether you like them or not, but to love your enemies, that's what the world needs to see. The goal is the world sees our good works and they give praise and glory to the Father. When they see that you're truly loving your enemies, that will attract the world, not only to God, but to the church. When, when they see that the church, the people of God, pray for and respect their authorities, their government elected officials, you want the world to take notice of your good works? Quit bad-mouthing all the, the authorities, all the people. You want the world, like, you... You want the world to take notice that there's something different that's going on in you? When everybody else, it's so easy to bash everybody there. I can do it too, and I'm good at it. But if you want the world to take notice, instead of talking bad about them, why don't you pray for them? Why don't we do it right now? Father, we love you. Father, I thank you that you are good that you know all things, nothing gets you by surprise. Father, we just want to pray for those in authority over us. Father, we pray for our local officials, for our state, our national elected officials. Father, we pray over them right now. Father, may you lead them and guide them. May they be more afraid of you than they are of man's opinions. Father, may they govern in a way that would honor you. Father, where they feel like they have no way out because they're so far into it. Father, I pray that you would just show them the way out. Father, I pray that they would 
set an example of what it looks like to serve the country with faith and with honor. Father, I pray for safety and protection over every one of them, their families, their kids. Father, we pray over their marriages. Father, we pray no harm would come against any of them. Father, we do not wish any ill will. Father, may you be glorified by their actions. In your name we pray. Amen. You, you want the good works for people to give glory to God? How about you give generously to those that are in need? Because that's what he says to do. The good works are ones that are commanded in his word. The world will take notice when the church gives generously to those who are in need. There was one time where the church, uh, the, the Brock church, gave generously to someone in need, above and beyond what was expected of the church. And can I tell you that the testimonies from the people outside of there going, what are they doing? Are the same people that are now inside that church. When we give generously to those in need, the world will take notice. When we exercise self-control, when the world responds with lust and lies and anger, and we respond by putting it under our feet, we respond with self-control. You want your good works to go on notice? It's so easy to go and hold the door for someone and feel good about yourself. It's so easy to pay for someone's meal behind you. But all of a sudden, when someone's talking bad about you, to exercise self-control in that moment, that is what the world will take notice of. You see that, that not, not only light, light not only provides sight, but it allows us to see color. If it was dark in here, we, we wouldn't be able to tell that there was color. But that light reveals the beauty of God's creation. And when we are the light to the world, we get to reveal the beauty of God's creation. Where, where people are like, this world is gone, there's no good left in it. And all of a sudden we get to do something that is beautiful and wonderful and it reveals who God is and the beauty of his creation. Feed the hungry. You want your good works to be on display, Jesus said, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, provide for those who can't do it for themselves, welcome the stranger. I mean, when you welcome in a stranger into your home, you welcome a stranger into your car to give them a ride. The world takes notice. Half of the world goes, that could be a serial killer. That's not a good idea. Okay. The other half goes, man, I wish I could do that. And all of a sudden you begin to talk about why. Man, why do you do that? Man, the Lord just told me to. I mean, if you want the world to take notice of your good works, not for you, but for the Father to get glory, welcome in the strangers. 
When we do the good works commanded by Jesus, the world will take, taste the salt and see the light. Number three, both have penetrating properties. Salt and light. Salt penetrates food and gives flavor. Light penetrates darkness and gives sight. Salt will make something without taste taste good. I genuinely love popcorn. Until I have popcorn without salt. And I promptly put it back. Have you like, hey, I love popcorn. I don't really think I do. I think I really like salt, and I just can't pour it in my hand. I have to put it on something. Otherwise, my wife will not be happy. But like, have you ever noticed that? That salt not only enhances flavors, but also where there is no flavor, it gives it taste. Otherwise, we would not be eating popcorn. It's not worth it. And light works in the same way. Things that were previously hidden are now visible because of the light. Our job as the salt and light is to champion people. We call things out of them that they didn't even know were there. We were talking about this in, in house church, and there was a, a guy, his first time in our house church, and he said, we were talking about how, how do you be the salt and the light? And he, he said, you know, it was interesting because I went to a place where I didn't know anybody, and it was all brand new to me, and they welcomed me in like I was one of their own. I didn't even know anybody there. I think what, what we're looking at where, where they both have penetrating properties, where they both call things out of people. He didn't know that he had a deep longing for community. And then he saw what community looks like. And it was beautiful. Eric Kill, he runs our soundboard and he likes to just be back there, not seen, not heard. We were in house church together. And uh, uh, we were, we've been in house church maybe six, seven months and we're, we're looking at starting another house church. And I, I look at Eric and I go, hey man, I think you're gonna be a great house church pastor. And that was not on Eric's radar to be a house church pastor. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, man, I just see that in you. When we're the salt and the light, we see things in people and we call it out in them. There are gifts and talents that people have that they cannot see, that they are unaware of. And when we are the salt and the light, we penetrate the lies of the enemy that say that you can't do it. You don't know the word enough. You, you can't have the gift of hospitality. Like you can't even take care of your own kids. But being the salt and the light of the earth says, hey, I see this gift in you. I'm gonna champion you and we're gonna figure this out. We see the gifts inside of them, even if they don't. As salt and light, we see the good and we bring it out. Because to be honest, like I'm up here, there, I have nothing to offer you. There, there, there's nothing in here that, that goes, mm, man, Jeff, really great, great job. 
My, my prayer is that I say this and I'm like that popcorn and the Holy Spirit just comes and sprinkles salt on it and you're like, man, that was so good. And it's not me because then he gets the glory and the honor because I admit that I've got nothing to offer you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We have to begin to walk in the power and the authority that he's given us. We have to begin to walk in that understanding. I, I mean, like, like Joanna, you're, you're like the, the perfect example of this. Working at the dealership, you walk in and the, people walk in and you're, you're the first thing they see. You have the ability in that instant to bring light. You, you're in that job for a reason. And you might think that it's customer service, but it's really bigger than that. You're a light that shines in that dealership. Without you, it would be darkness. And I can go through every one of your jobs and the places that you're put, the family that you're in, where it's sometimes like, man, these in-laws are getting to me. Don't nod your head over there. I see you. Like, hey, keep it, keep it down. Be smart, man. You've made it this far. But maybe there's a reason and a purpose to bring that out in them, to walk with them, to show them the love of Jesus, even in trying circumstances and situations. If I can encourage you with anything today, it's to repeat Jesus' words. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. When you do good works, it's on display for the world to see. And when they see it, they will see God and all of his goodness and all of his glory. And maybe, maybe just because of one act, someone will come to know Jesus because of you. You don't have to preach the gospel. But if through one act of kindness, where you welcome a stranger, one act of kindness where you give generously, that reveals the goodness of God and the glory of his name. You see, you can lead people to Christ without even saying a word. If we embody the Beatitudes and if we walk as Jesus commanded in the Sermon on the Mount, then the world will take notice and the world will be attracted to the church. Let's take just a moment, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We'll dismiss and get out of here. Father, we, we love you. Holy Spirit, just speak to us today. We just agree with your word that says that we are the salt of the earth. We agree with your word that says that we are the light of the world. Father, I just pray that you would lead us and guide us this week. How to walk that out. How to be the person that the world needs us to be. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for today. In your name we pray, amen, amen.